Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Just getting earnings out of Splunk. It develops web-based application software. It does say it sees third quarter revenue in the range of $228 million to $230 million. Estimates were for $228.9 million. Also reporting moments ago, Autodesk second quarter net revenue coming in at 557 million the estimate there was for 512.3 million stocks lower the dow the s&p nasdaq all declining today s&p 500 index down 3 to 2172 a drop of one tenth of 1% nasdaq lower today by 5 points down one tenth of 1% dow industrials down 33 a drop there of two tenths of 1% the 10 year down 430 seconds with a yield of 1.58% gold down 390 the ounce to 1322, a drop of three tenths of one percent. Crude oil up 1.1 percent, picking up 54 cents a barrel, 47.31 on West Texas Intermediate Crude. I'm Charlie Pallet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. This is Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Kathleen Hayes on Bloomberg Radio. If central banks want rates to rise, why do they keep buying up all the debt? I mean, doesn't that just increase the price, driving yields even lower? Let's find out. Maybe Tom Tucci, head of U.S. Treasury Trading at CIBC World Markets, has an answer. Tom Tucci, thanks for being with us. So can you explain that? Does that make any sense? Well, I think it's the magnitude of what you're talking about. When you say the central banks are looking at raising interest rates, it's only here in the United States that they're talking about that, and they're not talking about that about raising them too dramatically. But having said that, I mean, if they want rates to actually increase, why don't they just sell some of the treasuries that are on the balance sheet of the U.S. Federal Reserve? Because that creates a complete dislocation of markets in general. The Bank of Japan has been buying assets for over two decades with none of those assets ever coming back into the market. It'll happen the same way in the United States. These assets will never be sold back into the market. The the Federal Reserve will orchestrate or maintain the structure of interest rates through the actual overnight rate itself. All right. And, of course, we just spoke to uh, Rob Kaplan here on Taking Stock here in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, at the Big Fed Symposium today. Uh, Rob, of course, president of Dallas Fed. And uh, he wasn't talking as much about bond buying, my uh, Tom, but he did say, basically, as Steve Matthews, our Bloomberg News reporter here who helped cover the interview, negative rates in the U.S., forget about it, that uh, Rob Kaplan says it would distort the banking system. It just wouldn't work here. Does that give you any comfort that at least one Fed official is saying, even if we, you know, even if we don't have room to, to cut rates in a recession, we're not going to go there. Right. I think, Kathleen, the, the biggest thing that's happening right now is all the central banks realize that these negative interest rates that we're seeing out of the Bank of Japan and the ECB, they're not working. The question is, what is their alternative? And to date, they don't have a solution. They don't have a transition mechanism or an alternative to move away from that. And they're concerned about moving away from that because of what it will do to asset prices as a whole. So they walk this fine line. The interest rate policy, the monetary policy that they've established creates this kind of asset inflation that we've been experiencing now for years. And by pulling away, they would deflate that. And so it's a very fine line that they're walking. They've painted themselves in the picture. And I would imagine that the symposium that we're having here at Jackson Hole 
we're going to talk about a lot of different alternatives. A lot of different ideas are going to be thrown on the table. Not that I think that they have one uh, cemented, but I think a lot of people have to rethink a policy structure, economy outlooks, inflation outlooks. Um, all these things have to change, and uh, I think they're trying to adapt to that. Well, if all these things have to change, Tom, I mean, isn't that going to create that very chaotic and dislocated situation that you just described a moment ago? I think it's how it's managed. If you think about it from the first part of our conversation, you talked about raising interest rates. I don't think it's the Fed's intention to significantly raise interest rates. If you look at their forward forecasts, which haven't been very correct, but their outlook has been more consistent of late. They've reduced their expectations for where they think the neutral terminal Fed funds rate is. So that's pretty well established. I think everybody agrees that. They don't expect rates to move up to what we've seen historically in the past where rates have had to move significantly higher because we currently don't have an inflationary-type environment. So when we talk about why are they raising rates, I personally don't think it has anything to do with anything other than asset prices. We don't have an inflationary picture. The economy as a whole, as far as GDP is calculated, certainly isn't overheating. We do have a stronger employment picture, but if you listen to a lot of the, the, the Fed members, including the chairman themselves, they still think there's some slack there, and I do believe that uh, the, the makeup of, them, of employment is different than what it was even three, four years ago. So it's how they communicate the message about what it is that they're doing with interest rate policy and how they're going to restructure that in order for the market to understand and we don't get that type of volatility or mm -hmm. that asset selling that might happen if we were going into an extreme interest rate rising environment. Tom, today we had Rob Kaplan say he's patient on raising rates. Oh, patient, patient, patient. Steve Matthews said implicitly he seems to be one who's not necessarily pushing for September at all, right, for the rate hike. We had uh, Jacob Frankel, who is the former head of the Bank of Israel, and he's the uh, chairman of J.P. Morgan Chase International. They've got to move, he said, and he thinks they're helping to distort investment decisions. It may not be the inflation problem. It's getting back to a more normal kind of financial markets and, and relationship with investing, which is so lacking in this country right now. What do you expect to hear from Janet Yellen tomorrow? That's the big speech tomorrow morning. Right, and I, you know, I think that what's happening here is you have seen several of the Fed members, particularly some of the ones that you would consider in the inner circle, and what I mean by that is Fisher and Dudley, have come across a little bit more hawkish in the last week. And I personally think it's a direct result of where the stock market has been, asset prices in general. Bill Dudley even mentioned the fact that he was surprised at the, how low the yield was on the 10-year note. So I, I think it's in response to that. The problem, the dislocation in the marketplaces right now are, if you remember two years ago when the Fed started their tapering and the potential for tightening, the market swung it in a complete uh, bearish direction in that we were expecting significantly higher interest rates. Well, we've spent two years trimming that down, even the Fed, as I said earlier, trimming down their forecast of where they think the net neutral funds rate is. And what you have now is a situation where the Fed's lost their credibility. They've talked tough many times and never followed through with any action. So okay. I think Janet Yellen's going to help smooth out that credibility tomorrow. Got to leave it there with Tom Tucci from CNBC World Markets. I'm Kathleen Hayes along with Pim Fox. Day one of our Jackson Hole coverage. This is Bloomberg.
Coming up, Bloomberg Law is brought to you by CashPro, the cash management platform from Bank of America Merrill Lynch. CashPro lets you stay on top of your working capital in real time. It's totally pro-business. That's the power of global connections.